Hi, y'all. This is Kristen Chenoweth. Hi, I'm Gloria Stefan. This is Sarah Bareilles. Hi, I'm Patty Lapone. This is Lynn Manuel Miranda. You're listening to the Broadway Podcast Network. There's a cat over here. There's a cat over there. And the wrong one died. And the wrong one died. Welcome to the Ron Cat Died, the podcast breakdown of the cast catastrophe. I'm your host, Mike Abrams, and today we have another amazing guest. He was Pounceful and the Magical Mr. Mustafalus on the fifth U.S. National Tour of Cats. So welcome, Shane Hall, and thank you for joining me. Thank you for having me. I'm excited to have you here. I, um, I You, you kind of teed up a few things that, are, that I have not heard about, so I'm excited <laughs> to hear some new stuff today, and um, we'll get to that because it's very Mustafalus related. But before we get to that, First question always is, you did the show in uh, the early 2000s. Yes. Not long after the 1998 movie. Yes. I also read that you got to see it and you knew you had to be in it as a kid. (laughs) So like, what was your introduction to Cats? My intro to Cats was uh, the studio of a small town dance studio takes a trip of dancers to New York City for a week or whatnot. And that was our group Broadway show was to see Cats. I didn't know much about it. Um, I knew it was a dance-based show. I had never been to New York. I think I was 14 at that time. So that would have been 1994. Um, And so we did the Broadway Dance Center stuff and took class, walked around, did the shopping. And of course, with our group, we went to see Cats and um, at the Winter Garden, which was a treat. And I remember getting through Act 1 and just being so enamored. And Act 2 came around and I fell asleep, actually. The pirate (laughs) section, the pirate section of the show sort of zonked me out for a moment. I was like, what is going on here? And then fast forward to the end of the McCavity fight etc. And I wake up and then there's this sparkly magical cat that has appeared on stage. And so my whole attention was uh, based in that. And uh, I thought, oh my God, I have to do this, uh, this role. Mm -hmm. And I waited at the stage door. Jacob Brenton was the current Mistopheles at that time. Mm -hmm. And we took gobs and gobs of pictures. And of course, as any young dancer would say to someone of that caliber and that stature in their position, I want to be you when I grow up. And um, I graduated high school in 1998 and actually auditioned for the Broadway company before it closed at 18 years old, which is a a neat story. And I was thinking about that yesterday, that um, now in the world, we have all these great audition centers, Open Jar, Pearl, Ripley Greer, the list goes on. But back then in 1998, I say back then as if I'm ancient, but... Um, back then we, I actually auditioned on a Broadway stage. We auditioned on the Long Acre Theater stage and it was a really neat experience at 18 years old to, to do that because that's just not a thing anymore. The stages are utilized for the show now specifically, and there's no auditions on that. So that was kind of my first intro to Cats, uh, was with my dance studio. Yeah. So I have two follow-ups, but I want to go, they're very different. So I'm, I'm fascinated by that part of the, the audition. So I yeah. as not an actor, not a performer. I knew that there were the studios mostly just because of, you know, my TikTok algorithm is very uh, <laughs> theater heavy and it does show up a lot of like, Hey, we're heading here. We're doing this call. We're doing mm-hmm. that call. And there's also self tapes now post COVID of course of like COVID base, but you got to actually go on to like the audition was a Broadway stage. Like they bring you in there and it's got the mm-hmm. like the table in the middle of the orchestra center and they're all sitting there watching it. Yes. Yes. So we actually, of course the show was being, you know, uh, running at the winter garden, but we auditioned down the street at the long acre theater. And so 
I was 18. My dad actually drove me from Alabama to New Jersey wow. where his foster brother lived. And then we took a bus in. So again, second trip to New York ever. And I'm auditioning for a Broadway show and uh, got there. My dad went down into the theater with me, which is a, a unique little story. I'm adopted and my dad was my champion uh, for me. And um, he waited in the, the waiting area, which I guess would have been a green room space in the theater. And mm-hmm. then they took us up in groups and we did four or five different combinations that day, starting with a type out, the double pirouette, say your name, yes or no, you're kept or not. Cause there were so many people. There were so, so mm-hmm. many people. And then from there I would go back down and my dad would say to me, well, you know, how'd it go? And he, all he knew was either you get kept or you don't. Like he didn't know much yeah. about the industry and same for me actually. Um, so I kept saying, oh, they've asked me to stay and do something else. And so I would go back and then come down, go back and come down. And by the end of the day, I think I had made it to some, I don't know, eight or nine people that were left. And they took some measurements. They took um, a Polaroid of me. And um, that was while the company was still running right before it closed. I did not make that company, but what an experience that I hold on to, especially, you know, saying that about that, that time. Because like I said, the Broadway stage auditions are just not not of today's society and not of today's industry. So. Yeah. It's just a totally different world of that. Mm-hmm. You know, they now are, which is, I don't know which is better or worse. It's probably a really cool experience for you as a performer to do it that way, but it's probably yeah. like horrifically for the economics of trying to run a business. <laughs> of course. Trying to have everybody do it there when you've yeah. got a pre-built studio for it. Of course. All right, so my other, my other follow-up. Yeah. When you see it at 14, yeah. 14 is the age. Like that's the almost exact air like time where I'm like, you're going to get a lot of the craziness that you're watching. You're going to understand maybe some of the like over the top sexual innuendos that are in the sure. show. Sure. But you know, but also not at a point where you're an adult and kind of can kind of process that at the same rate. So like, did you recognize how sexual and crazy and some of the back plot of the story is when you're watching i guess you fell asleep through half of it so maybe not but like at a 14 year old like how much of that did you recognize zero because all i looked all i looked at was i can kick my leg like that i can do jumps like that i can bend backwards like that um i've always been enamored with cats um the animal the idea of it i grew up with batman um, the Adam West, Burt Ward Batman series. And of course, mm-hmm. Catwoman was always one of my favorites. Going into the the later Tim Burton movies, Michelle Pfeiffer's Catwoman, there was just always something about the felinity of the, the movement and the quality of the animal that I was drawn to. Um, that's all I noticed was that I can, I can do those skills. And if I can't do those skills, I'm going to work hard because I know I can get that skill. Um, mm-hmm. And, you know, that's, that's what I noticed. Yeah, so, I, it's a... The more I'm like thinking about this, you know, I've, I've had way too many episodes thinking about this and talking to people <laughs> about this, but like you went as a dance group to watch yes. a dance heavy show. And so yes. I'm assuming most of y'all are sitting there going, let's watch the dance numbers and all the stuff that we've learned and all the different right. pieces. Whereas I can't dance, I can't sing. So I went there and watched what, what story was I told? And I noticed a lot. Um, and that's, but as an adult, so that's where I'm always fascinated by this. Like, what is a, 14 year old recognize of mm-hmm. the ball and the coming of age story of victoria of and, you know all the stuff that you know now um having been in it well there's even so many details that i would have never picked up on looking at it just from an audience eye uh that when i got into rehearsal i learned that there were 
uh, kittens. There were older cats. Mm-hmm. There were purebred cats. Certain collars meant certain things for each cat. Then, of course, the relationships, um, p- possible relationships between cats, etc. You know, and it was like, wow, I would have never known that. And maybe that's sort of internal for us as a cat family or tribe, if you will, to know. But um, yeah, there were so many neat things that going into the rehearsal space, learning the show specifically. And I actually learned the show uh, with just one other cast member because I joined in the midst of a tour. Mm. So it was just me, another cast member joining with me and the dance captain of the show, uh, learning the show in the basement of the Pantages Theater in Los Angeles. So that's kind of how I learned the show. And then, of course, being thrown into it because they were already in session in their contract. So yeah. I didn't go through the specific details uh, of all that. It was like, let me get you the show taught. Let's track the show, learn the makeup, learn the vocals, and let's throw you in. Um, that was kind of my process. But then going back to New York for the second year with a brand new tour group, that's when those, I mean, I learned the details, of course, but in the rehearsal process, there was time to talk about it and to get all the new family of cats, you know, cast members uh, up to date on what we're doing and what story we're really telling that again, Mm -hmm. hopefully the audience will see or get, but maybe not, but that was the goal. Yeah, that's so, so that's interesting because the first time you're coming in mid mid tours replacement in 2003 mm-hmm. as Pounceable, mm-hmm. who was the other character that you were rehearsing with? Do you remember? So it was interesting when I got the call, I was called in as a swing. They offered me a okay. swing position and I was like, yes, <laughs> because all I wanted to do was do cats. And I had previously mm-hmm. with the company book Starlight Express and I was like so excited. And then I had a mentor that was on Broadway that was like, no, Shane, you, you, you can't do that tour. The offer's not great, so on and so forth. Mm. We'll leave it at that. So I was like, no, 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 it's my first tour. You know, that's the goal. And then a few weeks later, I got offered Cats because uh, I auditioned for it in this, at the same time uh, during a trip to New York. And um, so um, going into it was very interesting as a swing because I wasn't exactly sure what that meant. And I was trying to explain it to my parents as well. Cause they were like, well, what mm-hmm. does that mean? You know, yeah. uh, my dad, my dad specifically. And I was like, well, I don't think I'm on stage every night. I think when somebody's sick or hurt, I'm going to know a couple parts and then I'm going to go on. And then the very next day I got the call about, Hey, one of the cast members is dealing with some injury, shin splints, so on and so forth, and wants to make sure that they can finish the contract. Would you be interested in swapping to uh, a onstage character and then let that person go into the swing position to monitor just their body and health, of course. And I was like, sure, that sounded great too. So regardless, I was, you know, game for whatever. I didn't know who Mm -hmm. Pounceville was from a hole in the wall. Um, I just knew that at that point I was specifically going to do Pounceable and that was an immediate first cover for Mistopheles. And so once I got the Pounceable track down, there was so much similarity to that track to the Mistopheles track that it was easy to just learn the specialty solo and then go on. And I was thrown into Mistopheles pretty quickly. And through that time I performed Mistopheles more often than I did Pounceable. Um, so Wow. Okay. So yeah. this is the, so you were going on as Mustafa's in the first year. Yeah. Even before it was yeah. okay. Yeah. Interesting. Okay. So you, how far into the swing process did you get before you became Pounceful? Like, were you, did you? I never. Did you know a I couple never, other tracks. I never learned 
I would have covered the, what they call the kitten swing. So that would have been Mungo mm-hmm. Jerry, Tumble Brutus, Mistopheles, Pounceable. I never learned specifically any other track than Pounceable and Mistopheles. Like I never learned the Mungo okay. Jerry duet. I never learned the 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 Victoria lift for Tumble Brutus or any of that kind of stuff. It was immediately the swing thing was deleted out of my existence. Pounceable <laughs> was the next thing, and then let's get that down and let's get you taught Mistopheles. So I never did any of the swinging at all in the show. Yeah. So you talked a little bit about the difference between coming in midway through and then having the whole rehearsal process. Yeah. When you're coming in midway through as Pounceable, what did they tell you from a story perspective? Because I'm sure like a lot of this is just don't get somebody injured, come in and do the, do the role, make sure you got the dance numbers and all the, the, you know, the staging and where you need to go. But there is a little bit of like, you kind of still need to know a little bit about who Pounceable is. So how much did you get in that? I knew that Pounceful was definitely a kitten, a rambunctious, young, mm-hmm. um, very curious, of course. And so the makeup plot obviously offers into that. And then the way I would crawl or the way that I would interact with other cats needed to be that. And I, and I needed to understand who were more housebred cats, who were um, older cats around me, who I might play with and who I might not play with who might be a little more selfish to me or quote unquote hiss at me or who would not, you know? So those were really the foundations of me learning Pounceable was he was just a playful young cat um, with just wide eyed curiosity. So um, that's basically what I went into it with. Yeah. And then you go as Mistopheles in that same thing before this rehearsal full process. So like, When you're making that quick transition, like obviously there's some, you know, there's the dance and there's the overlap of, of that. But then again, same kind of question. What, when did they talk? Like, how do they tell you that story? I truly don't know that I ever had a Mistopheles foundation. And I hate to say that. I think I went into mm, it interesting. based on what I saw. And I had some wonderful people that performed it right in front of me on the tour obviously having seen it from the video and seeing Jacob's interpretation of it, having worked with Jillian Lynn so specifically on that. um, I think I made my assumption of that he's sophisticated. He's a little more refined. He's a little Mm -hmm. more uh, aloof. Um, He just has an exquisiteness about him. And I tried to make him uh, as I danced the, the role very sleek, very, um, um, I guess the word refined, you know, mm-hmm. he, he, he had a, a gestural, um, postural stance about him at all times that was not so much better than others, but just, I'm more elegant. I'm more put together, especially when you come out in that costume, you know, it, yeah. just, it puts a different placement to the character with that so i basically kind of found it alone really yeah yeah so i mean you i guess you being having done the show a bunch you're kind of you have a here's how i got to as pounceable interact with this misophily who's doing it and then you get to kind of recreate it and then build it as you go so it's like let's yeah. take their version that you've seen and then also then add your own moments um as yeah. you start your body yeah. So then fast forward to that, you get to do a full another year's rehearsal uh-huh. in 2004. Uh-huh. Did you have kind of like the powwow, sit down, tell the whole story with the whole new cast? Um, no. 
<laughs> no. No, okay. no, because there were seven of us that stayed on from that current leg of the tour mm-hmm. to go back to New York. And they told us that we didn't need to come in in the first couple of days of rehearsal because we were already familiar with the show. They wanted to get some things taught and they would integrate us into what was already on that new cast uh, with them on their feet. And so I think some of the things that we did was felinity exercises Mm -hmm. in New York. When we went back, we talked about, you know, hands and fingers that cats don't have fingers and how do you crawl how do you stand the the visceral usage of the spine and the back and the neck the eyes you know how you blink or how you would yawn or maybe cleanse yourself or just different things like that um Mm -hmm. and we talked a lot about that um we talked about relationships too we learned a lot about the grizabella relationship to the tribe and things like that and exercises uh with that idea. And again, at that point, I was trying to not so much put everything from Pounceable behind me, but really start to form my relationship to this Rum Tum Tugger, to this Grizabella, mm-hmm. to this, you know, uh, to this Pounceable, because I danced next to Pounceable as Mistopheles, of course, and some of the tracking, um, and start to really understand how am I going to have relationships now fully in this character that I won't go back and forth from one to the other. Yeah. So that was, that was neat too. And of course, seeing new people create the characters too is also interesting because you get so invested in how one cast performs and their idea of the cat, their idea of the, the delivery of the line or the movement. And now we have a whole other group. It's funny when I started to do my makeup, uh, as Pounceable, <laughs> I said, I joined the national tour of squirrels versus cats because I didn't couldn't do my makeup right. <laughs> I was just slopping the makeup on with heavy hands. And there were so many beautiful people. And I know you did an interview with Joey Abramowitz. And Joey had, hands down to this day, the most exquisite makeup, steady hand, uh, shading on his face. I mean, it was just always beautiful. And then Joey was like me, did several productions after the tour. And just always I was inspired and enamored with his makeup and how great it was. So yeah. Yeah, it took some time to get that down. For yeah. Sure. Yeah. So I want to hear about a couple of things. And then I want to hear about some of the other productions you did after, since I know sure. you, um, you did a few, and those are very different when you start talking <laughs> regional or a couple of yeah. weeks. And, but you you kind of told me in our when we were emailing back and forth about a couple of things that I didn't know as much about. So I want to hear about the new Mistopheles entrance. Yeah. And I want to hear about this costume change, the velvet costume change that you got to, uh, to help, I guess, pioneer, I guess, what was the, tell me, tell me these stories. So as we went into my second year on the tour, they doubled the cities and a lot of the fly spaces and even just the stage space was smaller or not conducive enough for some of the special effects that we had in the show. So of course we know that Grizabella rides this pod at the end after what we Mm -hmm. call big memory and she goes up into the heavy side layer. And the typical entrance is that Mistopheles would come through that pod uh, on the rope and do the magical entrance with the flashing yeah. lights and the costume and so forth. Well, that was not always gonna be able to take place at all the theaters that were being booked because the fly space would not allow for me to ride an elevator um, up, cross the catwalk and then come down. And that was typically how it was. I would ride this sort of mechanical elevator uh, to the top, there would be somebody in the fly space. I would walk across, a red light would go on. I would get set up in the foot loop and the wrist loop. I would fly through the pod and spin down. 
So they brought that to my attention and I said, okay, you know, sure. You know, and they said, we, the first entrance that they wanted me to do to keep it the same was Mm -hmm. the rope would come down after the McCavity fight. And there's this blackout before the rum tum tugger starts to say, you ought to ask the magical Mr. Mistopheles. Yeah. And because all the electricity has been blown because of the fight. So they said the rope would come down. You're going to come out on the stage in the dark. You're going to put your foot in it, grab onto the wrist loop, and we're going to fly you up next to the pod. We just can't have you go through a catwalk, but we can get you next to it. And I was like, oh, okay. (laughs) And that was going to be a really long time to hang in the the rafters of the fly space before I would come back (laughs) down. And truth be told, even 15 or 20 seconds that I would wait in the original entrance was kind of fatiguing enough because you're squeezing on you're holding yourself yeah. there until they say go. And then you have to le- release a hand, push yourself to spin. And I was like, okay. And I was always game for it. I was honored to be doing this role. It was a dream role of mine, but um, I could see how that was going to be difficult. And then I brought it to their attention. I said, well, you know, the sensors for the jacket are on my fingers. And if I'm grabbing that rope and I touch those sensors, I'm going to start lighting up yeah, as I'm flying flash. up, you know? So they were like, oh, you know, they had not really processed that part of it. So immediately they scratched that idea. And then they had this idea that in certain spaces, if we couldn't fly me down, that I was going to enter upstage on the tire, which there was this wooden plank. They were going to cut an insert into the wooden plank. So this very bright bluish light would shine up from underneath my feet. And I was going to be in this, you know, postured pose with my arms up, like, ta-da, here I am. And from the ceiling, they were going to release a huge Mylar glitter bag. So there, there would be glitter that was falling around me. And they were big circles, about a one-inch circle of Mylar that would fall. And I was like, sure, you know. And then they're like, you'll just run down the the tire, do a big jeté, and, you know, there you are for presto. And, and we go on. I was like, okay, great. And that really became the entrance and they showed it to me and it really was quite beautiful and the mm-hmm. lights and how they made it happen because all of a sudden there I was, I would run on at the last second um, and it was beautiful. Um, and so that was kind of the entrance and that became about 80%, if not more of my entrances on that year because this, this space was so small. I don't remember flying too, too much that did you, last year. Did you like get to a theater and you're just like, they've got the rope or they're like, Oh, this is like, were you, did did you prefer one over the other? Um, no, they were both fine. I think what it would do is it would just cut into my warm up a little bit Mm -hmm. because there's a lot of sitting in act two for Mistopheles while the McCavity number goes on the fight. Um, other things that happen that I'm changing costumes and then I sit. Um, so I would start to warm up and I would do the same warm up every single night. It was just enough to get me ready to do the solo specifically Yeah, that I had to do toe touches, turns in second and a couple kicks or whatnot. You know, I just needed to make sure that that part of my body that late in the evening was ready to do that, that mm-hmm. dance every night. So it was a minimal specific warm up. So it just basically meant that I couldn't do all of that. And then I would have to go in enough time to get up to fly down. Yeah. Um, but I okay. didn't mind either or. So. Yeah, that's cool. Yeah. So that was the first time that they really did this because it's like they they have to. You know, you have to adjust yeah. to what you've got space wise. Yeah. Um, okay. Tell me about the costume, the velvet costume. <clears throat> yeah. So the original design, of course, back in the early '80s, stretch velvet was just not a thing. 
And so the idea of the costume is sort of a matador, high-waisted pants, bolero style, if you will. And the, the velvet that would be on the costume was not stretched. The jacket wasn't stretched. The, the tunic top was not stretched. It fit, but it was not... It was like basically having a curtain fabric as your costume. But then there would be lycra gussets down the legs and in between the legs, of course, for flexibility mm-hmm. and extensional purposes, of course. Um, and I wore some of those or- original design costumes as an understudy. And uh, so did the other Mistopheles, the Mistopheles before me as well. And they built all new costumes for this new tour that came out my la- my second year into the process. Um, all new, all new unitards, colored, new fur on it, new warmers and everything. So the Mistopheles costume, they told me, they were like, we're building a costume that's never been produced before for this character. And I said, do you mean the design is changing? Like, I was just curious what that meant. And they were like, no, no, no. The fabric is going to be fully stretched velvet. It's going to be so much more comfortable for you. Um, it's going to have a lot more give and stretch, of course. And uh, it was beautiful. The entire costume was solid black velvet. I got to meet the two women that did all of the hand beading on it and that put, oh gosh, 180 fiber optics throughout the jacket. Wow. Um, it was really special. My opening city that year was Biloxi, Mississippi, and they came to the theater for, for different reasons or whatnot. And uh, I got to meet them on opening night and it was really nice. And uh, yeah. the costume itself was, I think, like close to $40,000 to, to build. Wow. Yeah. Yeah, it was brand new. And, and was it a uh, noticeable was, difference for you, like it in was the dancing? Sh- and- yes, yes. It was much more comfortable. Um, the whole entire leg of the, the costume was straight velvet down. Um, and it just gave so much more ease into, the, especially the jumps at the end. Um, it just made the, the gigantic jump sequence at the end just so much more comfortable and easy to do. So um, I don't know how they build them now. I see a lot of them that um and it was built for me specifically like down into the gloves it was one piece into the hand so um and i was actually a tall mistopheles um mm-hmm. i'm i'm close to five nine i i fabricate a little bit on my resume I'm really <laughs> five eight um but i was a tall mistopheles typically they're five 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 six or so and even my white cat katie katie warner she's now katie harris she was beautiful she was a tall victoria as well we had a lot of you know, taller individuals Mm -hmm. that played, but we understood the movement as making ourselves small at that time. So, um, yeah. That's so interesting. I had never, I've never would have thought about like the evolution of all this stuff. Like I figured sets and dance, like the, the, um, technology you can do, like the lights, everything. But the fact that like your, your suit is going to make it easier for you to dance and probably less injuries because it's, you got more mobility. Like as a athlete, like I played hockey growing up and like the evolution of, of our hockey sticks, like from what I play with now versus what I play with as a kid is half the weight, you know, a fraction of it. And it's just so cool to hear the like parallels of that. It's like, oh, you finally have a costume that you can like really move in and it makes yeah. everything easier. So, no, it um, was great. It was great. We're going to take a quick break and then we'll be back for more of The Wrong Cat Died. I want to ask a little bit about the other parts of your tour. So sure. there's always some, before we go to the regional productions and the other stuff, <laughs> there's always some fun, crazy, memorable stories and moments from tour. So what are the ones that stand out in your mind of like, <laughs> this was some funny moments or this was a chaos that happened. Like this is one of my favorite parts to hear, especially it seems like the fifth tour, you know, went for 10, 15 years. I went on for a lot, a long time. And there was some stuff. 
I think the, f- the first thing that comes to mind is um, I think many people from that year would remember the Mistopheles splat as a bug. So before Grizabella sings the big memory, she comes back out for an entrance. And of course we all recognize her and we make our opinions and we, we, you know, scurry away, run away. And we all have our placements around the stage where we need to get to. And I was one of the last cats that would sort of look at her, make the choice to turn away from her and then run up to the tire. So I've done the Mistopheles solo she comes out. I'm ar- always out of breath a little bit. Mm-hmm. So, of course, I'm trying to compose myself, stand there, make my, you know, feline opinion about this this cat that comes out and then run up. And I was the last one before she would sing Memory. And my foot slipped on the, um, the step that would lead up to the tire. I would sit in the middle. Mm-hmm. And I was next to Cassandra. And I was next to uh, Mungo Jerry on the tire. So I sat in between them and they were already placed. So I'm standing there and Brummel was my Grizabella at the time. And I'm looking at her. I make my opinion. I turn, I run very autopilot because I do this obviously eight times a week, run away. And my foot slipped on the step and I literally splat onto, and it wasn't a silent splat. I splat onto the top of the, the steps grabbing onto the tire and all I could do because she is now singing the first soft part of the song, which obviously has the the bigger portion at the end. All I could do was just slowly melt down to the floor very subtly because of course I am directly upstage of her. There's a spotlight on her and I'm in this very sparkly costume. So you're seeing me directly behind her so it's like splat on a window like a bug and then i just slither down and everybody on the stage is laughing and knew something had happened of course we talked about it afterwards and she was like i just wanted to turn around and see what was going on what had happened and i knew it was you because you're the last one to run away so that was always something that um that i always think of on tour and i'm quite a clumsy person um which is i don't talk about too often but I, I trip and trip over my own feet sometimes. So I'm not surprised that that happened. Um, there was always really fun internal games that we would play on stage that I hope that the audience wouldn't pick up on. Um, that was, you know, for the cast to know about or whatnot, which is probably something that (laughs) choreographers and directors don't want to hear that we do. But I think there's always a little something that happens on stages sometimes that keep us, you know, connected as a cast. But, um, are you, are you willing to tell some of those? Because I've, I've always assumed that that happens because like otherwise eight times a week of the exact same thing, like you have to have some <laughs> some fun or some like to, to keep it fresh without obviously changing the story and the experience for people. But it's live and you've got to do a little bit there. So there's, there's two very specific moments that I remember um, that happened. And one was during Skimble Shanks and I was not a part of Skimble Shanks as Mustafa, So I only heard about this. But I know that it happened because I kind of peeked around from the wings to see it happening. So uh, Skimble Shanks is on stage telling his story, doing his number, and all the cats are lying around on the floor in a semicircle looking Mm -hmm. up to him, facing upstage. And, you know, cats are enamored idealistically with something that they can paw and toss around, you know. And so, in in a way, that was still staying in character. I can't remember specifically who. I think I know who it is, but we'll keep that (laughs) <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> someone pulled out and brace yourself someone pulled out um the cotton portion of a tampon 
and they threw it around on the stage and tossed it from person to person as uh, Skimble Shanks was doing his Railway Cat song. Um, <laughs> and so things like that would happen. Now, I don't know if you could see that from like a balcony view looking down or not. Um, I also know that there was a dare that at the top of Act 2, this is probably a little more um, <laughs> than I should share, um, but uh, we, we come out for what's called moments of happiness and everything mm -hmm. is just okay. We're with Old Deuteronomy. He is making choices uh, of what's going to happen next uh, in this journey of the story. And we kind of just have a calm, elegant moment where we're there, we're as cats do, we sit still, we feel the warmth and the space, uh, the comfort of where we're, where we're laying, where we're sitting or whatnot. And we dared somebody to go out onto the stage um, without their dance belt under their unitard. So I don't know how visible that was, but it was definitely um, an acknowledgement to us for one of the male characters to, to do that. So um, yeah, that definitely happened. Would that, um, I was going to say, is that that noticeable? I like, is that something that an audience member would, would pick up on? <laughs> Probably not. Um, but it was funny, I guess, internally for us at that time. I'm giving you lots of uh, X, X stuff, I guess. <laughs> yeah. I would have never thought that's anything. Like, I, There I is a moment is. Where, where there's a build, what we call the swell in the music, where we would stand up. And we're, we're having this moment and we're very present and looking out into the space of the junkyard. And so visibly, yes, we're no longer in a, in a cat-like position or whatnot. Mm -hmm. We are now standing up. And so not, again, not that any audience member would pick up on that, but it was just yeah. a moment for us that, you know. I love it. Yeah. All right. I want to <laughs> fast forward now. How many regional productions after did you do? How many other times have you done cats after the tour? I did two, two other two. regionals. Okay. Yeah. Where, where were they? Tell me more about these. I did one at Virginia Musical Theater in, uh, I think it's Virginia Beach, Virginia. Okay. And I did one. I don't know that this theater is still around, but it was in Long Island. It was Smithtown uh, Center for the Performing Arts, just outside of Manhattan. So a train ride mm -hmm. away. Yeah. Um, yeah, so I did too, both as Mistopheles. Um, in the Smithtown production, there was a lot of, um, that was a Rocky production and um, a lot of wonderful people in the company, but I ended up actually playing Strap. Um, I was the dance captain because I knew the show, et cetera, et cetera. And there were several others that had done Cats and actually one other guy from my tour was with me as well, um, or maybe two. There was a couple of us. Anyhow, the the Monka strap had left, and they needed somebody to step in. And so I obviously knew the tracking, and so I jokingly called myself Mini Monkey because I was too short to play Monka strap. But I tried so hard to broaden my shoulders and get that stance that he would always have in that leadership, you know, position out. Um, so I definitely went on as Monka Strap, which was quite um, interesting to do. Um, yeah. Yeah. That's that fun. That production was okay. interesting. <laughs> okay. I'm not going to ask any follow-ups there. I, I love the regional stuff can get a little wild. And, you know, it's just a different because you're doing it for a couple of weeks. So there's a lot less of the, so it's, you know, it's less of the story, more about the dancing and more about the, like, let's, let's make sure we get this production yeah. on and 
Um, and yeah, cause you're going to probably do what three weeks, four weeks at the time or. Yeah. The, the Virginia musical theater one was, um, they have a unique schedule. They still um, operate this way where they rehearse for three weeks and do one weekend of shows, five oh, wow. shows and it's hit it and quit it. Um, I had a wonderful, wonderful cast in that production. Stephanie, um, Stephanie Lane Bittner, who was a Cassandra on Broadway, set this show. And it was wonderful to learn it from her from back in. She was actually the Cassandra that I saw in 1994, which is really interesting yeah. as well. <laughs> and uh, so it's great to work with her. But um, Cesar Samayoa, who is a, a Broadway veteran uh, now, uh, was our Gus and Growl Tiger. Um, Adrian Warren, who was who played Tina and other mm-hmm. wonderful Broadway roles, she was actually a, going into her senior year at the Governor's School there in Virginia, and she played Demeter. So she was already powerhousing it as a junior in high school on the stage. Um, so it was great to work with her in that capacity, and we're still friends to this day. She lives in Harlem, and we run into each other on the subway. So it's still like a we talk about that time every now and then. I don't see her too too often because her career has taken her to so many other areas, yeah. but. Um, and then Grant Gustin, who was also well known for, I think he was on Glee for a minute, but he's well known for playing the flash on CW. Hmm. Um, he was my Mungo Jerry. And I remember, um, I had a soft spot for him because his mom would always come to rehearsals and film what he learned that day to go home and practice. <laughs> and so it, it very much reminded me of the love and care of my parents, yeah. um, always being around. And so that was very sweet. I haven't seen or spoken to Grant since that, but I'm, it's just so nice to see his you know, magnitude of success at this point and what he went on to do. There's just such, such talent in that cast, such talent and yeah. people that have really risen in their careers. So it's so fun to hear. Cause like you hear all the stories of these kind of early, stages of like you know original production then it's yeah you're early on in your career you're you're feeling it out you're learning and then you you know take off and do all these other really cool stuff and so it's like i'm sure it's the fun for you of like you can tell probably at that point be like oof this person's gonna be a star especially now like a lot of the regional productions has like some high school kids jump in and some sure you know some other things where it's like yeah they're they're still very very early in a career yeah, it's great too, you know, because every area has, you know, um, talent within their community. And so it's great mm-hmm. when they get to to mesh that within the professional world and they get to learn, you know, what it's yeah. like and get to hear stories of the of the lifestyle of being the actor, if that's what they're trying to go into. And you become friends. And those are great resources to have if you do go to such and such city, whether it's LA, New York, Chicago, yeah. and you know somebody there, you now have a friend or a resource to call upon for questions or you know, mentorship. So it's, it's really great for the community to be involved as well. Sometimes. Totally. Um, super fun. Let's, let's do some rapid fire. I'm ready to hit you with a couple of, you know, the the important questions here. Yeah. So if you could go on for one, one day, one night, any track and cats, whether it's male, female, whether you can dance it, sing it, who would you want to go on as? Cassandra. Cassandra. Ooh. Yeah. The makeup is, fire it's amazing okay there's just something great about that cat she's stunning love it um who are your favorite and least favorite characters cats like who who bugs you who do you love um (laughs) ignore actors and performers purely cat personalities um we could we could go without a cavity. okay uh and i think probably my favorite would be victoria besides mistopheles of course yeah yeah yeah. Okay. What is your favorite song in the show? Skimble Shanks. 
Love it. And as Mistopheles, I was taken out, you know, I'm not a part of that routine. So. Yeah, yeah. So it's your break. That's why yeah, you that's, love it. That's my break and changing costumes. But I loved it. I think the number is so jubilant and fun. And there's such a great spirit about it. And I always loved it. And I would sing it backstage. And as Pounceable, I got to experience that number, but not as Mistopheles. So. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Um, my fun question. I always like to ask one fun one. I know that you run a dance studio. You own a dance studio. Which cat, and I feel like there's probably multiple, would be the best cat at opening a dance studio? Like, who would be the best running one? Oh, um, Jelly Lorum. Jelly Lorum. Ooh. Jelly Lorum. She's like the mom, the one that little girls or little boys would love and that she would take care of and be tender with and make sure their, you know, psyches are protected and make sure that they are nurtured and make sure that they feel good every time they come to class and would be great with the parents if there's questions. I just feel like there's such a... Um, a device within her spirit taking care of Gus that I feel like she would be great with kids, if you know what I mean. And like, yeah, take care of that and nurture that spirit. So they would want to come back and see Miss Jelly Lorum every week in ballet class or jazz class or whatever. You're so. totally right. I've asked this question a lot about <laughs> that teachers. Is an interesting question. I've never yeah. thought about that. I've asked it a lot of teachers. I like to think about if we take the cats outside of the cat world, like what would they be good at? And, oh gosh. Um, and so I've always thought it was Jenny. Jenny would be like the most like a studious teacher. Like she's. Oh, I can see that too because she's yeah. like very militant. Yeah. You know. And she would, yeah, I would definitely say her too. Yeah. Skimbleshanks is running my my operations. Bustiverse funding. Like you know, I've got <laughs> sure. I've got some of this planned out, and then like Mustafa's and Tugger would be my like special guest teachers every once in a while. I love like, that. Really bring in some some chaos into the crowd. I always I called that. them the substitute teachers for like regular school. Yeah, but but yeah, they keep I, the kids hype and excited when they show up. Yeah, you got to come in. They're probably not going to do any of the lesson plan, but they're gonna <laughs> right. but they're gonna come in and still have some fun. Of course. Okay, um, million dollar question. Oh, uh, this whole this whole podcast is centered around the idea that I don't think Chris Bell is the right jellical choice. So I want to hear from you, Jane. If you are old Deuteronomy, if you're picking, okay. who are you sending and why? Oh my God, this is like, who am I voting off of? Like, I don't know, some reality TV show. <laughs> um, who would I choose? Um, oh my gosh. Um, I think maybe Gus. Love it. I think maybe Gus. And I think we get to know more of Gus than we know more of Grizabella. And I think that there's, because of the production and the way that they produce his storyline and the flashback to the pirates, I think there's a more sympathetic heart for Gus that we want. And we see his age as well. And we know that Grizabella has a dilapidation as they call it and you know she is a, a has been of of this tribe and this world um but i think that they don't they don't flush her story out as much as they do for gus you know and i think that it's just so beautiful and just to see that he goes <laughs> i hate this word i'm gonna say but that he would go peacefully at that point mm. you know what i mean um i think that that's who my vote would be i love it yeah. Uh, it's, it, it's not an uncommon vote. It's the number yeah. two vote right now. Oh, Rizabella. really? Oh yeah. I think there's a very big team Gus contingency out in the world, um, for, for why. And, and I'm, I'm all for, it. I'm really all for any non Grizabella vote, but, but there is a big, big Gus. I think it's exactly what you said. Like there is a, he's an older character. He tells a story. You get to kind of really experience his life. He looks like he needs it. Yeah. Um, versus Grizabella right. is kind of like coming in midway through. 
here's my 15 minutes on stage is all I'm going to give you. And this is why I need it type of thing. So, you know, if you ignore the redemption arc, of course, of Isabella, I love and, it. And you know, there's, you only get just a little bit of her backstory with Bomb and Demeter singing what they sing in act one about her when she comes out yeah. for her first entrance. And so if you're paying attention or realizing that there, that is important information based around Isabella's existence, that's all you really get. And then you have to put two and two together that she was something. And we, there are cats that are drawn to her, want to help her, but then there's a scorn about it and a push away about it. Um, and so you have to pay attention to that. And then of course she continues in her, in her stature and her, you know, fight for it all to sing memory and tell the rest yeah. of it, you know? Yeah. So if you were staging the show and you got free reign to like add more of her story, let's say we uh -huh. want to stick to her being there. Uh -huh. What would you want to tell the, like, like the audience and where would you try to slide that in? You know, you don't see Grizabella in the opening. Now the character yeah. comes out in a neutralized costume. Yeah. So they're on the stage, but you don't know that that's Grizabella. The same for Tugger. Um, I think that there could be more information about her in the entrance, the naming yeah. of cats, and we see her more. I don't know that it would be, you know, the naming of cats were all in one tableau and, and blocking uh, in a formation, but... So would she stand with us as we're just like overviewing all of the cats as one without opinions toward each cat or, you know, anything like that? Or, you know, how would that work? But I could see the opening being a little more developed for her to be visible in that. Maybe there's choices about her during that time that we see or a little bit more information or script musically, musically created for her at that time. I don't know. Maybe that's a yeah. great place because we don't see her as Grizabella in that opener. What if you had her like off on the side doing the, like trying to dance with you all? Yeah. 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 I mean, cause so she does that, you know, she does frequently. that later on. Yeah. Mm -hmm. She tries to mimic the ball and the movement. And of course it's something that she used to do. And of course <laughs> aches and pains, age, yeah. whatever, you know, take over. But yeah, I think that that's a great place that we could see more of her development <laughs> in the opening. I love it. I, yeah. um, I, I think there's, yeah, there's more ways to throw her in and tell her story. Like I, I've learned a lot of it over the years, but you aren't given a ton to your point. Right. Like if you heard the early part, you see them shun her in act one and then you're coming in and you're pretty much going to hear the belt of memory. Right. And then bye, you know, right. then she's going up, right. hopefully, you know, the pod, if they, if she can go up the pod, depending on the place, I guess. Of course. <laughs> um, this has been super fun. How can people stay in touch with you, uh, learn about the dance studio, and, and know more about you? Oh, my goodness. I have an Instagram handle. It's Shane Hall Creates, very as it is, S-H-A-N-E-H-A-L-L-C-R-E-A-T-E-S, Shane Hall Creates, on my Instagram. And my studio is Prodigy Dance Center. We're located in Columbus, Georgia. Um, you can find that Prodigy Dance GA on Instagram. Prodigy Dance Center GA, that's R-E. Um, spelled the French spelling, um, mm -hmm. or you can Google Prodigy Dance Center, Columbus, Georgia, um, celebrating 16 years in business. And it's so wonderful to, wow. um, to take all of this experience. And of course, I'm still based in New York to give to all these great kids in my community and give back and share the love of theater and help them if they want to go into the industry, give them as much as I've learned and, you know, feed them and nurture them to be great performers and respectful artists and kind people to go out into this world. So 
That's so amazing. We'll, yeah. we'll link both so people can find thank everything. You. And uh, this has been so much fun. Thanks for coming on, telling the story. Oh my gosh, thank you for. I haven't talked about cats in years, so this has yeah. been a joy. <laughs> that's, that's what I'm here for. I'm making people reminisce about things that they should not I, or have not been I thinking about. I love it. I love uh, it. Oh, this has been awesome. So thank you. And thanks everyone else for listening to this episode of the Ron Cat Died, the podcast breakdown of the Cat feet. To follow along, you can subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or anywhere else to listen to podcasts. Follow us on Twitter, Instagram, TikTok, and threads at The Wrong Cat Died, or check our website, thewrongcatdied.com. Hey, it's Leslie Odom Jr. here on the Broadway Podcast Network to tell you about the RISE Theatre Directory, a program of maestro music. RISE is a national online resource designed to connect and empower backstage and administrative and creative theatre professionals from underrepresented backgrounds. If you work or aspire to work in the theater community, this can help you find your next project. And if you hire theater professionals, search the Rise Theater directory to find your next team. Create your profile now and get more information by visiting risetheater.org. That's theater with an R-E-R-I-S-E-T-H-E-A-T-R-E dot org because only together we rise.